Hello and welcome to the In the Money Players podcast. I'm your host, Peter Thomas Fornital, back with you from the little house on the east side, not in my usual office out in the garage. Family are traveling, which means I can work from the kitchen. And we have guests in the other room, and I didn't want to rouse them this early. That's how it goes up here at Saratoga. It's a little bit like running a B&B and a little bit trying to keep your head above water gambling. Two men who know about that topic will kick the show off with me. We will not be talking about Saratoga. We'll be going about three, three and a half hours down south to talk about Monmouth Park racetrack. And we will introduce these guests right now, starting with a man speaking of different and interesting backdrops uh, in the in the upper corner there. We have from Betmakers, Dallas Baker. Dallas, how are things? Pete, well, yeah, greetings from uh, the Monmouth Park Library, where I, I think the oldest book here is back into the 1700s. It's uh, an amazing room, which I know that you've uh, you've uh, done shows from before, but uh, it is dripping with history, and it's a bit of Ron Burgunding. It's the I have a I have a place that smells of rich mahogany with many leather bound books. <laughs> Even you look dignified in this place, Dallas. Let's 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 be honest, and that's not easy. It's obvious, yeah. Well, it's obviously a pretty important, pretty progressive room. If I look dignified, Pete, <laughs> we will also bring in from in the money podcast.com a man you're used to hearing talk about racing at Saratoga. And of course, Monmouth Park been giving out a bunch of winners in both places lately. Nick Tamaro, Nick, what's up? I'm doing good. I stand no chance though with that backdrop and Dallas dropping a Ron Burgundy reference. I'm, I'm toast. <laughs> it's over. Hey, working for <laughs> One of the things I'll just point this out straight away to to viewers slash listeners. Normally, when we have a producer who's not me, we do these shows in segments and we stitch them together and this and that. We're just doing this whole little thing as live. So there, there, there's some fire drill potential on this show, but hopefully I'll keep it all together. I was able to find a graphic. I was happy. I was impressed with myself about that. For those of you watching on YouTube, it may still be there in the next segment if I forget to take it down. That's the kind of, that's the kind of vibes that, that, we're, that we're dealing with. Before we dive into the races, I want Dallas, you to give us an update on what's going on with the, the Monmouth Park um, Bets website. I know that's recently been launched and mm -hmm. folks have been signing up getting involved where where are we with that and and what's next in the evolution of fixed odds betting in new jersey powered by betmakers yeah lovely uh pete yeah monmouthbets.com been up and running for a couple of weeks getting good traction through it so the good news is that it's not just people on course now that can have a fixed odds bet anyone in new, a new jersey residents in new jersey can uh can now go on to monmouth bets and uh and take fixed odds um uh, we generally have the uh, have the have the betting up for the, the the 24 hours in advance of the next race day. So um, as people are seeing this, they'll be able to bet on the Friday card, which is you know where we're sitting from now, um, depending on what time they're watching the podcast, obviously. But uh, Saturday is all up and running as well too. So all the prices that we're going to talk about throughout the show can be taken uh, if they haven't changed by the time we get around. They get around to it, but they're all there, live and active. So um, yeah, it's it's. All part of the expansion, all part of a step-by-step -step rollout phase, which started obviously just taking bets on Monmouth at Monmouth, then moving to Monmouth bets, and uh, in the next couple of weeks or so, we'll um, we will be rolling out more content, and uh, yeah, and then obviously that gets even more exciting for people where you'll be able to bet on at our, about a dozen tracks from around the US, and then start seeing the international stuff coming into, which is going to be very exciting as we build to a um, twenty-four-seven fixed odds racing solution. 
It's pretty interesting. And obviously, we're going to be all over it here on the In The Money Media Network. Very excited to be a part of it and excited to start getting some betting news where you can tell us about big bets that are coming in. I, I assume it's too early for that for this Saturday. One more thing before we dive into these races. There is some news about Monmouth that I wanted to share, um, which is not only that folks should be paying attention to this Mid-Atlantic Pick 4 that's been running on Mondays between Colonial Downs and Monmouth, but this week there is also at Colonial a $600 BCBC and NHC qualifier that you can play TVG for NJ Bets. Players have to be signed up for this one. Um, and also express bet players, the TVG players need to sign up early express bet players have until the first race on Tuesday. But if you want to play through TVG or four NJ bets, get signed up early. It's going to be a cool contest run by Brian Skirka of Monmouth. And again, two BCBC seats, two NHC seats and cash are going to be awarded. You can reach out to Brian through the Monmouth website. If you have any trouble, you need to get in touch to play on this Tuesday contest, just holler at me and I'll make sure you get in touch with the right party. Easiest way to do that, probably the contact page over on in the money podcast.com. Okay. Let's go into these races. We kick off with an allowance race. Remember early post, the win early pick five starts at 12 15 on Saturday. And this is a five and a half furlong turf event. Nick, let's get your thoughts on, uh, on how the form looks for this one. Yeah, I thought as far as the sequence went, this was one of the more competitive races. I actually was going to start it with four A's, um, and, and I'm a little little skinnier in the later ends of uh, of the sequence. But Groom's All Business is the morning line favorite. Dallas will talk a little bit more about some of the fixed odds pricing. He's coming out of an open company stake race. Granted, it was for three-year-olds. I thought he ran credibly in that race, finishing third, coming from way off of it. I think the, uh, the trip suits him well. He should get enough pace to run at. There's some suspect speed on the rail and towards the outside with Weight of Glory and Magical Warrior. I thought Jester's Honor was very uh, reasonable coming in off a good third place finish from just off the pace in a common race amongst a few of these that include Stand Up, um, who was fifth in that race first time for Claudio Gonzalez. I think we might see a step forward with him. And then I wanted to use Loved Again as well, who two starts back was a little slow to get into stride and then chase the pace before tiring. Now has Hector Diaz as he gets back to the turf. We've done good things with Michelle Hemingway in the past. And I think this horse will be largely overlooked at the windows relative to some of the other horses with chances based on that last bad running line. So three, eight, five. What was your other number to kick five, things off? Five, six, eight to get it started. Okay, excellent, excellent. All right, that's what we'll do. Now, let's talk about the fixed odds betting in this race. Groom's all uh, business, five to two on the morning line. Where did you open this runner up, Dallas? Yeah, it's a, it is a really interesting betting race, Pete, because there's a couple there that you want to try to keep safe, but you've obviously got to form a market as well, too. So Groom's all business, I think, a pretty obvious favorite. We're uh, two to one or $3 decimal at the moment, and I think that's... Um, potentially can be a lot shorter than that. So I think it's a pretty good price at the moment, to be truthful. And then um, just as on a $3.80 or, you know, a tick under three to one for uh, in the uh, fractional language. Michael Dini, a trainer that obviously tra that usually trains a lot of winners here at Monmouth, hasn't had a great year, but there's signs that he's turning the corner. So that's a little bit, you know, a little bit of playing around with that. And then Claudio, who's uh, just training brilliantly, uh, his second run off the claim with uh, stand up again. It's it's a four to one price, but that could very well be backed. The, the the these horses have been being well backed, and when they're well backed, they're deadly. So I would um for anyone who can't can't have a bet, 
Uh, I would keep an eye on monmouthbets.com, which that'll also, for, for people who can't um, who can't bet on it, it gives you a good reference point because those prices are going to be very close to what the tote price ends up. And you're going to see them, you know, half an hour before the race or a little bit. They obviously move around, but it's pretty much where the tote price will generally end up. And if you do see some money for number six stand up, I would follow it because, as I said, when, when uh, a Claudio horse has been backed, it has uh, you generally hurt us and won well. <laughs> I think that's a good point for anybody getting involved in the win early pick five. These markets will all be out there and no offense to morning line makers, but I'd rather, if I was looking for a little bit of a perspective on what price horses were going to be, be looking at numbers that are actually going to be uh, taking uh, bets on yep. Let's pivot yeah, quickly. Say, yeah, the, 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 the way the market's been worked out, like what, what, it, it's very close to even what we go we what we open up with is you know not ne- never too far away from the tote. Obviously, you have variances and whatever, but generally, uh, that'll give you a good guide to what the tote price will end up. Let's talk about the second race. Two-year-old New Jersey bred maidens, six furlongs on the dirt, and we've got a big hunch play in here for our friends at the betmakers with uh, number five fixed odds the second time starter that showed some speed and caught money at uh at, at getting bet to uh to three to one have you are you aware of the story of this one's name dallas and how no it i'm not but i uh i think it's a very very well-named horse pete <laughs> congratulations <laughs> to the connections but i can tell you what it is it is the two to one favorite uh he's also engaged here on friday too so the scratchings i haven't quite seen yet so um, but um, ended in Saturday. At the moment, it is the two to one favourite, just ahead of Steel Driven Man at uh, $3.20 or a tick over two to one. And next in line at seven to two, four dollars forty decimal, Starstruck Notion. Nick, who do you want on your win early pick five tickets? Yeah, we'll see if Fixed Odds ends up running today or tomorrow. She's entered against Phillies on Friday, against Males on Saturday. So we'll see what decision is ultimately made by the connections. Steel driving man looked obvious. Kelly Breen, Paco Lopez. This is a horse by Tonalist, who's a 10% debut sire, but not a New Jersey stallion. So this is a horse that was obviously bred elsewhere, but born in New Jersey. And uh, and you've got a dam that was a, a winner herself. She's dropped seven winners. So the good thing about this, as far as the winner early pick five goes, is it's the second. You can get some of the action from the Daily Double as a guide. But uh, I would imagine that Steel Driving Man is a horse that'll take plenty of support. Four five for me, back up with the one two six. Four five and a backup with the one two six as we move to the hinge of the win early pick five, which is race three. Seventy five hundred dollar claimers, Phillies and mares three and up, going a mile seventy on the dirt. Nick Tamara, we'll keep it with you. I think you got to take a stand somewhere in this sequence, and I'm going to do it with the four blind side, who I think is going to get a bit of a pace set up in here. The two runners on the outside kind of only have one way to go. In Claudio, I trust. I'm going to take him second off the claim. This horse was a little far back last time out relative to where the leaders were, but the pace was fast. And I think that kind of negated a bit of her late run. I think getting to the two turns where she can be a one run closing type, I want to give her a chance. So I'm just going to use the four back up with the two and three and uh, hope to get through this with a decent price. All right. Makes sense to me. Dallas, what kind of price are we looking at for Nick's kick blind sight in this race? Again, you, 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 we just have to be safe on Claudio the time. I mean, you, if you, 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 what's the definition of insanity? You keep doing what you're doing, you're going to keep getting what you've got. 
and um, we've all, we just kept getting smacked on the backside by Claudio. So we're going to be conservative with him. Not quite favourite. There is a, a one roll, one very small roll shorter with a senior is three dollars twenty between two to one and five to two. It's just ahead of blind sight, three dollars thirty again between two to one and five to two. And the next in the market is Princess Kyra at the top, $4.80, so a tick under four to one. But uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see Blindside start favourite. Later in the show, we're going to be having a baby talk segment talking about two-year-old racing all over the country. we got a nice-looking two-year-old filly maiden special weight going one mile on the turf right here. Not the easiest races to price up, but how are you going to open this market, Dallas? Yeah, okay. The, we have a dressable market uh, with the big pedigree, $3.20 and favourite. So again, between that five five to two and two to one mark. Bang on. Oh, sorry. I tell a lie. Born Dapper is the favourite. $2.80 actually um, coming off the Saratoga. No race the other day. Uh, $2.80 and slight favourite. Uh, ahead of uh, addressable market at $3.20. Haystack, if it was to get a run, um, obviously, again, with the big, big pedigree, it's five to two. Uh, the alternate entry at the moment. And uh, the next ones in the market is the Christophe Clement trained tall girl at a nine to two or $5.50 decimal. But yeah, very interesting race uh, with a couple of these big pedigrees coming out. What approach are you going to take here, Nick? I'm going to single the five addressable market and back up with the seven born dapper in, in the pick five. This is, uh, as Dallas alluded to, this horse has a big pedigree. The dam's a half to Kingsgate native who won the Nunthorpe. They paid 160,000 pounds for this filly at the Tattersall sale last October. We've seen these connections do incredible things with uh, the Tattersall's purchases and progeny of Kodiak just in this country are, are, have won on debut four times and are 10 for 68 in their turf debuts. So that's a pretty, pretty strong number. You're bumping up on 16, 17% in the turf debuts. That's, that's very, very solid. Obviously no worry about Chad Brown debuting a horse at Monmouth. You know, I remember in 2020, he debuted a filly named Duopoly at Monmouth and she broke her maiden very impressively in a year and a half later. I'm sorry, later that year, she was a grade one winner winning the American Oaks. So uh, it, it's no concern whatsoever. This one's been training at Monmouth. So as Dallas said, Born Dapper seems like the obvious other one having uh, some good prior efforts on turf uh, was entered in that ran in that race that was declared a no contest after the outrider stopped the field on the backstretch. I agree also that if Haystack gets in, I'll definitely use her as well. She's a half to Fort Washington, who was a stakes winner for uh, Suge McGahee, and uh, the dam was a turf winner as well, so a lot of pedigree there. I'll mention that one as a backup for you. And just to underline Kodiak internationally, that's an angle that Rob Dove, one of the top 10 pro punters in the UK today, has uh, espoused to me for, for years, Kodiak first time out. So the, those American trends, I think, uh, are backed up with the international results. We just have a minute left to talk about the pay leg race number five, this $30,000 claimer going six furlongs on the dirt. Nick, as it pertains to this win early pick five, how are we going to get paid? Yeah, I'm going to stay on the outside. Four, five, six to close it out, trying to hit this thing, obviously, a few times with a pretty skinny sequence all in all. But Tenebris for Michelle Hemingway is going to be a pretty solid favorite. I would imagine eight to five on the morning line. One whirlwind ride for Michael Simmons actually comes in off a pretty solid effort running out of condition, facing three life claimers that day now back against uh, the two life types. And Cozy's Wildcat on the outside just has a look of a horse that's going to bounce back for Claudio Gonzalez off a poor effort at Laurel last time out. I think this one also is the main speed from the outside. And one thing we've learned in an expensive way is that not using Claudio in this scenario can be a big mistake. 
Is this another situation where he'll be held safe, as you like to say, Dallas? Yeah, definitely. And another, the Michael Simmons stable is, uh, if yeah, they back their horses. They generally run well. So, uh, and a lot of the time without, you know, the obvious form lines as well too. So we we keep them keep them generally safe early and see what the market forces are and uh, play around with it. But it is, um, it's one of those unfortunate things for Nick in the last race where he's playing three and they're all pretty short. So $2.20 or around about the five to four mark for Tenebris. Uh, one will win Ryan two to one uh, or $3 decimal. Uh, and Claudio Cozy's Wildcat, $4.20, so a tick over three to one. So not a huge amount of value to try to play three legs in to get the, to get the uh, pick five up in the last, but it is what it is. Sometimes you just have to get stuck in and have it for a, a multiple number of times. It's probably not one you're going to want the minimum amount on with, the, with so many live-looking favorites in the sequence, but you can yep. make that pay as well. Gentlemen, we have our next guest waiting in the green room, so I'm going to bid you adieu. And uh, thank you, Dallas, and thank BetMakers, this exciting new way of betting where you get value in the palm of your hand because the odds you bet are the odds you get. Thank you to you and the BetMakers team, and we're going to be expanding our coverage very soon. We'll see you guys soon. Look forward to it. Thanks, Pete. Thanks, guys. All right. Next up on the show, very happy to welcome in uh, another pal who is a, a regular coming to us from uh, – from Medallion Racing, tailor-made partnerships. He is Philip Shelton. Philip, how are things? Yeah, doing great, Pete. How are you doing? Life is good, man, and I'm excited. It seems like there's some good things going on in the in the Medallion world. You guys have uh, have some runners pointed uh, right up here to, to to Saratoga, if I understand that correctly. Yeah, hopefully we'll have uh, Bella Sophia back for the ballerina at the end of the month. Um, you know, a little disappointing last time in the Honorable Miss, just kind of the way the race played out. I you know, tell everybody, I said, sometimes those four horse fields are a lot harder to predict what's going to happen than a, you know, than an eight horse field where you kind of can figure out what's going to, what's going to happen. You, jockeys have less options uh, in bigger fields and smaller fields. They have a lot more options and it makes the races a lot more tactical, but came out of the race good. So yeah, we're, we're excited. And that, that number, you know, the race came back really fast, which is a, you know, another thing I think just hopefully uh, we'll come back and reversal of uh of fortunes uh in a few weeks that's the plan anyway and uh we look forward to seeing that we're going to be doing a little bit of extra work we're going to have a special newsletter coming out in the next couple of weeks talking all about tailor-made partnerships and what makes them unique and what makes the, the medallion group unique that we've talked about on several of the of the shows in the past but looking forward to being able to do that deeper dive and and explain um what what makes you guys so special basically but we're here to talk about a little bit of form um i'm producing the show today philip i think i told you that so we're recording it as live so i'm slightly discombobulated so i'll let you decide where we're gonna where we're gonna start <laughs> yeah so i think we we you know Obviously, it's uh, I think all true horse players and horse racing fans are disappointed that, you know, there's no uh, Arlington Million at, at Arlington Park, especially given the the situation with the grass horse at Churchill, which is you know frustrated a, a lot of different people. I've got some buddies that had a horse that was going to run in the, you know, the Bruce D, the secretary, whatever they, you know, they call it year after year. But, you know, that race got canceled like 10 days before and it's kind of messed up their whole plan but you know we're still excited to have um you know some big races so i think just starting out with the, the beverly d i think this is you know a really interesting race um you know it's it feels kind of like a grade one in name only feels like a little bit of, of a weak version 
Um, I think it's really evidenced by the fact that, you know, you got Rougier who looked like a world beater, you know, in her first start this year after they bought her for whatever it was, 3 million plus, you know, I think it was 3 million euros. Um, you know, but she won the Bogey and you thought, you know, she's going to be at the top of the division um, going forward. And then really the last two races really has had no, no excuse. Um, you know, in my mind in here, I like, I really like Princess Grace. Um, I think she's tactical. The biggest question for me is, is a mile and an eighth, a 16th of a mile too far? And it could be, but I think she's going to be forward. She can take the lead if nobody wants. She's happy to sit just off. She's got a good turn of foot. Um, you know, and I think potentially there's a shot she could float up from the three to one. So actually, um, you know, looking through the card on Saturday at Churchill, she'd be one of my stronger, stronger opinions. And I think just Rougier could take a bunch of play and just haven't quite been, um, you know, as impressed with her. And I, I do wonder a little bit, you know, like her, her biggest win in Europe was on heavy ground. And I just do wonder maybe if she's just not the, the same horse on fast ground, um, if that's going to hurt her. But it's a, it's a small field. So, you know, just we just talked about Bell Sophia. It makes it kind of a jockey's race. And I think I'd want somebody that's a little more forward. Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, we talked about this race a little bit on Horse Players Happy Hour, and we're on the same horse here in Princess Grace. And it's interesting. One note I had on Rougier on that show is even though the ground in the bogey was listed at firm, if you do that next level look at the course condition, which Timeform US has, where they rate it within within firm, they rate it on a scale, that was a firm six softer than the firm eight and nine she appeared again to have no excuse over it yeah. sort of shocks me that these connections have been so good uh you know I, i'm not even sure who does the bloodstock work for them but it seems like every horse they bring over from france they all seem to relish american racing so it's weird that they there would be one that would miss but hey nobody's perfect i guess and when you look at these results on the firm eight, the firm nine, they, they, they don't comport with the quality. She showed with a little bit of cut in the ground. It does seem like it's supposed to be on the firmer side. I, I well, Yeah, I, I mean, I think nobody right. nobody really knows what the grass course is like. Obviously, it's going to be an incredibly weird scenario where they haven't, you know, the, the, the first two grass races, one of the races they're going to run down on the inside, the other one they're going to run way on the outside. And um, I'm in Lexington today, but it's been absolutely beautiful the last two days. It's supposed to be, you know, another beautiful day tomorrow. So, yeah, I would have to think it's going to be firm pending just what the the track plays like. To me, she would just be an impossible horse to take at two to one. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and I would, in general, I think like the, the Euros, like Lily Pond makes sense. But it's just, it, again, that's kind of a weird strategy. You know, they basically ran her a mile and a half. Then they actually ran her a mile and six. Um, I do know we have a filly with Patty Toomey who has Ross Carberry, and I know she's, you know, in very good form. She had run third in a grade one before she won the group three at a, at a mile and three quarters. But it's like the way they've campaigned her. Now, I guess you could say, hey, last time she dropped back to a mile and an eighth and, and won a group two. I don't know that that was a super strong um, group two. But, yeah, like to me, the two favorites would just be kind of a play against you know, what's a short price? Princess Grace, I think, might actually just be as good as either one of them. I'm going to use Lily Pond on top of exact as with a saver with Princess Grace, just on the thought that she's come forward yeah. a whole lot. I just, I don't want to be a hero. Um, I mean, it's, it's a cool pedigree. And I mean, I think she's pretty good. And we've seen the success that Aiden O'Brien And it's had. just, 
interesting to me, you know, like this is something that nobody would ever do in America, but she's three and they found a five horse grade one with really now maybe just say, but it's interesting to me that I guess it's an easy answer, right? Chad probably has the best American three-year-old Phillies. He's already got Rougier. What's the point of running another three-year-old? But, you know, if you look at it, if, you know, if you thought you had a Philly that could run a 95 and I mean, you know, like I think, like family ways, mildly intriguing too. Like she's honest and, and tries hard. Um, you know, that mile and three quarter uh, or a length and three quarter loss to we're like, God, it just looks better and better. Cause that Philly just looks like an absolute monster. Um, you know, at a distance that's maybe longer, but yeah, I think it's a, to me, I just, I might try to be brave and just say, <laughs> hey, I, I just don't like the other two enough to, to want to invest a bunch of money in them. No, and, and I agree with that. I mean, I'm I'm going to play most of my money um, on, on Princess Grace to, to to win, and then there there will be there will be a saver to get the stake back. Yeah, and, you know, maybe double up five three. And I think that's something you know that's something I try to talk to our partners about. You know, one thing we always do is we have like a suggested hundred dollar bankroll, but in a, in every race, but I think that's really you know it's that's a good strategy for a lot of people to play if you like a horse, if you like Princess Grace. You know, she's going to be, I don't know, call it even money in the place pool. Whereas if you can hit a Lily Pond Princess Grace Exacta, that might be pay five, six to one. Um, and you're getting much more to place. Even if you split it and said, I'm going to play Rougier and Lily Pond over Princess Grace, you still might get two and a half to one as opposed to taking even money in the place pool. It's a way to just increase your odds if, if you have a stronger opinion. Exacta as place is a concept yeah. that I think I picked up at some stage from uh, from Mike Maloney. And I almost never bet place, and I almost always bet Exacta to place. Yeah. You know, if, if for some reason I'm going to place more at twenty to one, I might bet place. But if I'm, um, and I almost bet Exacta to place too, just as a as a backup. But but one thing I will say though is that makes an absolute ton of sense anywhere that has the old breakage rules because you're paying a higher effective takeout with you know traditional breakage in kentucky you can make the case that you might be able to get more value because you're going to get paid to the penny on 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 the place bet so i'm not going to judge if you want to go win place and i'd say maybe bet you know i don't know maybe 2x 2x in the place pool i I don't know i as i say it out loud i still kind of want to stick with my strategy but i will say this penny breakage brings it into play especially in a bigger field i think it's an it's a no-brainer i mean i think every state has got to go to it at some point it's you know before you could have said the technology was limiting but now the technology isn't limiting and it's just it's an absolute no-brainer puts more money and the you and I both know like that money just gets churned back. So it's better for everybody. The pools are better, you know, that's the it idea. ends up being an absolute win. So hopefully that's something that is coming. Uh, that would be hopefully optimistic on my side to say, I think that's, that's going to be coming to you in the near future, but you know, I think it, it absolutely should. We have a few minutes left, Philip. Let's talk about this grade one Arlington million and a field of nine going postward in this spot. I was just going to throw out um, Santine's last race based on the shoe repair in the paddock, based on the weird way that the pace unfolded yeah. in there with uh, Tribuvan ending up being loose as a goose. I don't really have like an excuse. I don't like see the running line and say, oh, that was so much better than it looked. But I just want to evaluate this horse on the previous form. Now, the Churchill turf course in May isn't necessarily the ter- Churchill turf course here on August 13th, but, you know, it doesn't hurt to see 
a win over the course and distance. I was going to stick with this one. Very curious to get your thoughts. Yeah, I think that's an interesting thing because I actually, when I was going through it, I looked at set piece and said, well, you know, he's four for five at Churchill, but really none of that's on the new course. It's all, you know, the, you don't know how much to even put into it now. I thought, you know, to me, you look at the form and smooth like straight kind of stands out, but is he going to want a mile and an eighth, which is a complete question mark. And I actually think there's other speed in here. Um, I like set piece just because I think he could get the right kind of trip um, if, if the speed does stack up. And I actually thought, you know, like to me, like cavalry charge was interesting. Um, he, he runs at Churchill in the turf classic doesn't run very good, but he, he doesn't break and he's really just never in the race. Um, you know, a couple early this year at fairgrounds, he wins the grade three at a, at a big price. He then comes back only gets beat three quarters of a length by Santine. No shows in the classic after not breaking stretch him out to a mile and a half. He just doesn't get the distance. And then I thought he ran well enough last time. Um, and his numbers aren't way off. You know, like if you look at Santine, I mean, he's basically run two, um, he was running a 101 and 100. So they're they're basically four points at their best apart. And he's going to be an absolute bomb. And he could yeah. get the right kind of trip sitting in behind the pace. I just think, to me, I love Smooth Like Straight. He's a really cool horse, and he is honest. But he feels very vulnerable at a mile and an eighth. Um, and I just think with the other speed in here, you know, I might play set piece and just try to get a horse like Cavalry Charge kind of in the mix. The other horse I would want to play is Admission Office, just underneath. I've always loved this horse. He came back. He won this year on the Churchill turf course where he just came absolutely flying late. He's got a big kick. Um, you know, he's got to run a little bit faster. And, he, you know, he's he's seven. I'm not sure that he's quite as good as he used to be. But I think he's a horse that has some ability and could get the right kind of trip as well if, if the pace plays out like I think it could. Good stuff, Philip. Really appreciate you coming on, giving your thoughts. Do you have a quick – I didn't prep you for this, but did you have a quick four-star Dave thought? I was just curious to you know, see if you had some in, in the 30 seconds we had. I want to play Mason. I just thought he the trip he got last time, like he was just miles the best, but it was a I mean, terrible trip. I think he could get the jump. Um, I think maybe get smoking sets the pace. Maybe he sets just off, gets regal glory. You know, they've come out and said she's not the easiest horse to ride. She's obviously very good. But, you know, I don't know that I'd want to take what could be six to one or even money. Now, with that said, I wouldn't be shocked to see Mason get absolutely hammered either. Then it's not like he's going to be some big value play. But I just thought he won last time in spite of his ride. Uh, and I don't even know his ride. It was just the trip he got. So, to me, I, th I think he's probably pretty good. I think he's the best horse in the race. And at anything close to the two to one, I'll be – I'll be lumping it on him. Good stuff. We will have you on again very soon, my friend. Appreciate your time here today and look forward to hearing a lot more in recent weeks about uh, medallion racing and the tailor-made partnerships on the bloodstock side. We're going to, we're going to let you off the hook for that. We're going to bring Alan. All right. To do, do All right. That sounds good. I'll, I'll we'll put the you. pressure on. Well, <laughs> You've uh, set yeah. a high standard within the company for media appearances. Yeah. Well, happy belated birthday as well. Oh, thank um, you, my friend. And be best of luck this weekend. Cheers, buddy. We'll talk soon. All right. Thanks, Pete. And with that, we're going to pivot right away to our baby talk segment. We've got a returning guest from Gainesway Farm. He is Ben Gowans. Ben, how are things? Great, Pete. How are you? I'm doing really well. 
I'm I'm being funny because I, as I've told, as I've mentioned to the other guests who've come on and everybody's been really timely and that's helping me immensely. I'm I'm allowing the guests to help me. Normally I you know I have my little rundown and I'm I'm guiding everybody through, but I'll let you choose where we begin talking sure. about these two-year-old races on Saturday and uh, you'll be doing double duty. We're going to come back for a special show on Sunday because there's so much two-year-old racing. Yeah. Great two-year-old racing. It's just perfect for the the baby talk segment brought to us by our friends at uh, at Gainesway Farm. Where shall we begin? Well, I think the um, the most exciting, maybe not from a gambling standpoint, but the most exciting matchup this weekend is the Saratoga Special. Um, that is um, not early this early in the year. Do you often have a, a two-year-old head-to-head matchup this exciting? Um, obviously, Gulfport's been brilliant in, in both starts. Um, and, uh, but he has, he has a real foe this weekend at Damon's Mound. Um, I was there on, uh, Stephen Foster Day for Damon's Mound and, uh, breathtaking performance. Um, and we'll see. I mean, obviously you're going to get probably twice the price on Gulfport. I think the morning line's about four to five, seven to five or something like that. But yeah. I, I would, I would say, uh, Damon's Mound will, will be more in the nine to five, two to one range. I mean, I think, I think Gulfport is a pretty strong favorite at the windows. How do you separate them? You know, if I forced you to make a bet on this race, how would yeah. you, how would you do it? It's tough. I don't, you know, from a gambling standpoint, it's probably a race I would never bet. Um, I don't have that strong of an opinion, but um, I think, like I just said, if if it does turn out that Damon's Mount is twice the price of Gulfport, I don't think he's far off as far as a win chance. Um, I, I was very impressed by his first race, and obviously Gulfport's been brilliant as well. But um, you have the the horse up from Gulfstream on the rail that's going to definitely go forward um, out of there. So I don't think Gulfport's going to get away with anything easy. Um, and Damon's Mound will, will likely just, just uh, sit behind those two. And we'll see, uh, you know, the six and a half furlongs can, if they do go, they've gone for very fast in this race before and the, the six and a half furlongs can catch up to a horse that um, might be tiring late. Where shall we head next? Uh, the, we got some more two-year-old stuff at Saratoga. Yeah. Does it make sense just to yeah, pop yeah, ahead sure. race seven? Yeah. So uh, race seven's a it looks like a pretty loaded uh, two year old yeah. um, colt race. Um, you got a lot going on in this race. Um, I, I think, I mean, the horse maybe to start with is is the rail um, Lucas. Um, obviously, D Wayne's uh, he's back back in a big way this summer with his two year olds, which is an exciting thing to have. And and uh, as you know, with with D Wayne, often his two year olds have speed, uh, at least his good ones. And this this colt was. Very fast. Uh, and they liked him quite a bit going into his first race, and he just got a little tired late. Um, so, I mean, he's going to go forward from the rail again, and and would that start under his belt? You know, I, I'd imagine it. He he he'd be um, you know a horse that makes a lot of sense. Um, I have I, a I'm, note on him. I have a note on him to pass along that I thought was could okay. be absolutely nothing, but could be interesting. It had looked like, according to one of the Clocker reports I saw, that Pratt had worked um, okay. Black Rain at some point interesting to see him uh turn up on on bourbon bash suggesting right. that, that right. that's think, not a political you know what i mean that's not a political yeah. move that's no. a, yeah that's no a, not that's a, obviously Pete, it's a good point because a lot of these a lot of these jockeys obviously breeze two-year-olds in the morning and um if they're breezing a horse in the morning oftentimes they'll try to end up on it in the afternoon especially if they like it so that is a good point uh, what did you think of the horse that I picked in here, number five, Skellig? I'll talk about my case for the horse yeah. a little bit later in the show. Is this, is this one you want to keep on side? For sure. 
Um, this is a horse that has quite a bit of buzz around him, him from what I'm hearing. Um, he was extremely impressive at the April sale. Uh, I've reached a very, very impressive quarter uh, for Jesse Hopple. Um, and uh, at the time, um, you know, that was a lot of money for a Gervin, $235,000. Right. And then the month uh, at Timonium in, in May, we had a Philly sell for seven seven twenty five or seven fifty. So that she blew uh, him out of the water as far as a Gervin goes. But like we were just talking about Damon's Mound, uh, Gervin has some some good stuff going. And this horse, I'm sure as you've watched and while you picked him, he's been very impressive in the mornings. Um, Rosario has breezed him a few times. Um, and uh, the thing with him, though, Pete, isn't he going to get bet? Isn't this type of horse that gets head bet? There's no better morning line maker than no, David Aragona. I completely the, agree. The fact that he had this horse at four to one, I thought maybe spoke to the overall quality of the race and made me hope that there would be stories around about general jim about black rain who all have interesting claims as well as bourbon bash so maybe you never know but it's entirely possible that uh that that, that an underlay could be in the the i i would i would uh go out on a limb and say he will be the post time favorite okay it doesn't sound crazy based on which which might be seven to two right Right. i mean which i would still i'd happily take yeah. I'd happily take. Where another, else is your eye going here? Yeah, another horse I'd like to mention is um, the the Mott on the outside, Intimate Shift Colt, Mr. McGregor. Um, he looks like he's has some talent um, from the workouts I've seen. Um, pretty good moving horse. Um, we can never uh, never overlook anything related uh, uh, by Intimate Shift. Um, yes. He is <laughs> some stallion. And, uh, you know, obviously you, you wouldn't expect uh, Bill to – to win first time out um and with this kind of horse but um i think he's probably pretty well men wouldn't be surprised he's running on at the end the other into mischief general jim was another one i was i was thinking of getting uh mixed in to some of my my tickets in this spot agreed it's a notable jockey booking i think we've seen the mcgay first just running well at this meet more so than historically we expect uh what what do you think of general jim's chances yeah, I think your your point of, of size ending up on this horse is a good point. I mean, he ended up on the, the Quality Road Colt that won um, a few weeks ago. Um, and uh, I've seen a few workouts, and, and this horse looks like he has some talent as well. Um, and, and, you know, these these trainers, Pete, as you know, they have a, a, a lot of horses to choose from to run in these races. Shug, um, Bill, uh, Todd. And when a horse ends up here – as opposed to, you know, obviously Shug has his string down a fair hill where he still has quite a bit of two-year-olds. And so he, this, they've obviously seen quite a few good things from the source to end up in a Saratoga Maiden. If I held your feet to the fire to make a selection, would it be Bourbon Bash? No, I think um, I think it, 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 it's a matter of price to a degree. Sure. Um, I think You can give price uh, guidelines. You can say yeah. at X, this would be my yeah. pick. I'll let you do that. You know, I think Skellig was is very well meant. Um, so if if he's at his around his morning line, I wouldn't wouldn't be wouldn't talk you off that. But I think the Mott could be a little forgotten. Um, you know, on the outside, twelve to one, fifteen to one, something like that. Yeah. If he ends up at the, at that price, I, I I'd be willing to take a gamble. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. I mean, that's how you that's how you make money in this game is uh, with with horses that get lost sometimes that's in right. these baby races that have the pedigree to 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 succeed and excel first time out and and mod another one you don't think of them first time out, but that's just gonna 
the market's going to overreact to that. You know what I mean? It's yeah. not like you can't have the right horse ready to right. win first down. It's it's just you, you can usually bake in improvement as they go along. Yeah. That's not a reason to be anti first right. time out. I think I think you make some compelling cases there. Shall we head out west next? What what do you sure? Think? Yeah, one one maybe touch on the just quickly the the first race. Um, is sure. a two-turn uh, turf maiden, and these races are always fun um, at Saratoga. Yeah, yeah, I love um, that. I'm slightly interested in the the Joseph O'Brien experiment hasn't gone um, according to plan so far, but I'm I'm, I'm interested in this horse, um, the two um, reckoning force. Um, he just had an impossible trip in his first start here a few weeks ago. Um, you know, it's it it really you really need to save ground on the inner um, here at Saratoga, and he was three wide. The whole way just never never had much of a chance to win and it was running on well at the end um so i think when a smaller field he'll be able to save ground he'll be a little bit of a price in a field that doesn't on paper look like the strongest um one of these type of maidens so I, i'm interested in him um reckoning force I like that idea, and I, I do think that's the kind of experiment that could turn around in a hurry when the right yeah. horse gets into the right spot. So, yeah, good. We, we appreciate the shout on Reckoning Force to kick things off. Have you liked the Air Force Blues in, in, in general? Uh, so, yeah, I mean, he's had, he's had a few crops. It's funny you ask. Um, I, um, I purchased a, a Air Force Blue Colt for um, quite a bit of money as far as Air Force Blues go, 105000 last month at the Phase uh, Equipment July sale. He's a uh, really uh, uh, good-looking Colt, um, but look, I mean, he's a Air Force Blue is no longer here, but he's he's a horse that can definitely get you a runner, especially on turf, and uh, a horse that has has form. I, I have no problem problem betting in Air Force Blue. Let's talk about Del Mar two-year-old racing. Uh, I'll throw it open to you as to where you want to to begin here. We don't need to do the Calbred race, but we certainly can if you have a thought on it. No, I think there's just two races to talk about here. Maybe the Sorrento first is the ninth race. Um, not the maybe most um, tough Sorrento I've seen in past years. It's still a grade two. Um, the the filly on the rail, the, the Eclipse uh, Thoroughbred Partners uh, filly procrastination looks like pretty much a standout to me. I was quite impressed with her first race. Who's going to run with her, you know? Yeah, yeah. she's and for, a, for a dirt sprint, there doesn't actually appear to me much speed. She's probably loose, and I just think she wins. Yeah, I think that makes I think that makes a lot of sense. Any any of these that you might like to go with or for down the line or any other yeah. uh, any other notes that you have? Yeah, there? I mean, obviously we we have a bit of a Doug O'Neill party with three of the six runners in the the field. Um, I couldn't. I mean, I've handicapped the race and I couldn't even tell you which one's the strongest of the three. I mean, absolutely zero is the most accomplished. Um, two for two. Um, and, and she won the race at San Diego last time. Um, but I, I didn't was not a big fan of the field that she, that she beat last time. She beat the boys last time. And that was quite a weak field. I also worry that even though it looks like she has speed and you'd think with three in the race, one of them is going to try to go with procrastination. I'm not sure she has enough early yeah. foot to, to do that. So we'll yeah. see how it plays out. But I think we're in very similar camp that procrastination is just going to take all the beating and probably will be shorter than that eight to five on the morning line. How about this other two-year-old? Yeah, we have? so we have the seventh. It's uh, we were talking about it's the time of year um, where these these two-year-old colts are unveiled and fillies, and um, this is another loaded main race. It's, it's interesting. I'm not sure why, but um, this Truehood, who's now scratched, he was entered as the nine for Bob Baffert. Um, I've heard from everyone I know that this is one of Bob, one of the two or three best colts Bob has, but he was scratched, so it makes it a little more wide open now. 
Um, Truehood was working um, with Cave Rock, who's actually a Gainsway sales graduate, the, the Arrowgate Colt number two. Um, so obviously with Bob, you, you expect his horses to show speed. So Cave Rock will, I'm sure, show speed, and he looks like he has some ability. But I'm most interested in Alexander Helios, um, the half to Rombauer. But he ran sneaky well um, first time out a few weeks ago in another quite good uh, maiden field that, that came back fast. Um, he looks like a horse that wants to stretch out. He's a little bit green, broke well, but just kind of couldn't keep up and, and just kind of a bit one pace and a good stretch out works for him. And I expect him to improve quite a bit, a bit, a bit of, of a price in a second start. We're seeing good things from McCarthy first time starters more than we once did, but it feels telltale to me that Alexander Helios going from the five to the six and a half, perhaps this yeah. is the cold who's going to follow the more traditional pattern we associate with McCarthy, a personal favorite a trainer of mine, and we can bake in several lengths of improvement coming out of a fast race, doing something maybe he wants to do more. I, I like that right. case a lot for a horse that's 10 to one on the morning line. Yeah, you know, we talked about it maybe a few other before we before we head out. Though, obviously, you have to mention Ultimate Gamble, the colt that brought one point seven million dollars um, at OBS April to have to Dre Fra- Dre Fong. Uh, he's a horse I might um, want to wait and see um, one race. Um, might be a horse that's better stretching out. Uh, obviously, the Peter Miller can win the Arrowgate Colt um, number six. Uh, he he ran a, a, a fig last time that makes him very competitive, and if he repeats that, he can end up in the North Circle. So it's interesting. After a slow sort of opening to both Saratoga and Del Mar for two-year-olds, we're seeing a ton of stuff this weekend. Yeah. These races look loaded. We're going to do yeah. a whole show, uh, almost like a bonus show. I wasn't necessarily planning on looking at Sunday, but you pointed out to me all the great stuff that there is, and there's absolutely yeah. – you know, we don't have time to do it on here. We'll do it there. My theory when Nick Tamaro and I were doing some review work earlier in the meet was that this has to do maybe a little bit with modern training methods and just the racing calendar and the stakes calendar in general that – Trainers are preferring to have them debut around now, just to right. if they, if especially if they're having Breeders' Cup dreams, to have yeah. then you know one perfectly timed prep and just and and go on to the to the Breeders' Cup juvenile races. Do you think there might be something to that, or do you have another explanation for? Why yeah, no, I think I, to go? I think that's fair. Um, obviously, all trainers um, trainers value timing as much as anything. Um, they're always thinking ahead, always thinking of the next race. Um, so that, that makes sense. Um, and, and look with these, with these babies, um, each is an individual, um, some, you, you, there's a lot of little issues a baby can get. So some of these that are debuting now, maybe they started breezing, you know, uh, quite a, you know, three months ago, but they, they had a, an issue or two along the way. And now they're just making their first start now. Makes perfect sense to me. All right. No good deed goes unpunished. You're coming back soon. We'll text offline about when we're going to record that one. But really appreciate your time. Appreciate Gainsway for sponsoring us. It really, um, you know, just a top-notch operation. And folks that want to learn more should go over to the website and, and learn about all the good things happening there. Check out the Stallion roster. And, yeah, and big, the- uh, big week for Gainsway. We uh, we sold a sales topper over at the, the phase of sale, a stunning gun owner colt and sold uh, – Three million dollar horses in one night, so it was an exciting <laughs> night. Not too bad, is it? Not too bad. Yeah. yeah, that's that's a testament to the entire operation and 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 the way the way that you guys do things over there. We'll talk more about that on the on the standalone show when Sounds we've got good. a little bit more time. Thank you, Ben. We'll talk. We'll talk very very soon. Thanks, Pete. Have a good day. Cheers, buddy. We'll let him go, and we'll bring in. We're bringing Matt Vagvolgi, and there he is. I was like, I hope he knows to turn the camera on, but I, I forgot who I was dealing with. It's not. 
this not my first good. rodeo, Pete. We're using <laughs> uh, using Zoom and being on these for work and for this, so I'm good to go. Great stuff. You are here today. You're, you're doing you're doing double duty this week, but not all on this show. You're going to join me at the Brentwood tomorrow, and we're going to do some spot plays. Your favorite ideas um, for the for the Saturday saratoga card we have another guest who's going to come in and do the uh do the, the pick six with me later in the show so instead you're here to talk about woodbine and one thing that i want to just start with quickly before we dive into the last five races on the woodbine card is a little bit of an overview from you of how race lens can enable you to pick up a track that you're not necessarily as familiar with and maybe get up to speed that with a little bit more confidence than if you were just looking at the bare form. I, I think, you know, a lot of stuff that we, we talk about for, you know, other stuff we've done of, of looking at track profiles, how the synthetic plays in terms of pace, right? So I'll run just general pace angles and then pull up the charts and be able to really kind of dig through it pretty easily and see if there's anything that catches my eye, anything I'm picking up on. Um, that, that I could start, uh, start looking at. And then you, you know, kind of start building, building from there. And then you notice certain jockeys on certain types of horses. So it, it, you start very wide, but it's, but it's simple though. It's simple as a few clicks to run those angles. And then you start to dig through it and, and, and look to see if you can find anything that's, uh, that's profitable. And that's that, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of tracks I would say for like the NHC, like it's perfect for that. There's a lot of tracks that I don't look at on a regular basis in the NHC, it's having these profile track profiles built up different pace angles, you know, really helps me find a horse pretty quickly uh, in a contest like that. A very quick tangent. And then we'll dive into these races. Um, did you see that Tony Joe has thrown down the gauntlet? He's changing his Twitter presence. I guess he was getting some harassed by, so I don't know what I shouldn't say that. I don't know why, but he is like reducing his follower count and he's private. I, I'm not sure if you would have seen the tweet that I'm talking about, but it gets back to this idea of the NHC and his theory that for the random player or the, you know, the average participant, not the random player, the average participant, he, he, you're much better off just going all high end of the odd spectrum. And, and he put out a little challenge to somebody I don't think it's necessarily going to be appealing to the likes of you because it doesn't allow you to, to mix and match. It's just, he wants to play. He, he has some way of grading out the effect. If you were to play all the higher odds horses versus all the lower odds horses. Did, did you see what I'm talking about? I, I did. And, and I, I chimed in and it's probably one of the dumbest things you can do on Twitter is to chime in on, on something like that. Um, not from, not from Tony or any of the others that I have respect for on there, but, uh, you know, I just, listen, I, I just, my, my response was, you know, I've had success at the NHC. I went to the final table. I finished third, walked out of there with a six figure check and I had one cap horse, right? So I can kind of argue the other side of it that you don't have to bet those horses all the time in order to have a chance and this goes back to kind of what we talked like years ago when this topic came up. I just don't like definitives. I don't like definitives in anything. You know, if, if anyone is giving you advice and they're constantly saying always, never have to, I just recommend don't listening to them because there's so much variance in this game. And there's, there's so many things that can happen that are out of your control. When you start to really put yourself in a box and say, I'm only going to do this. I think it becomes problematic. So I look at it more on a, on a portfolio base. I have my short term, you know, my, my shorter price horses that I'm really high on. 
the middle horses where I think you should probably live in the NHC, you know, that, that, you know, five to eight to one range. And then, yeah, you, you're going to have to play horses like Tony saying that are 20 to one or better. I mean, the one cap horse I had, I think Marshall Graham and I were the only ones on the planet that had this horse <laughs> at, at fairgrounds, it just wired the field at 45 to one. Um, but it's what I'm also saying, you don't have to do that. Right. And I just think for new players in the NHC, the biggest problem is it's predicated on average, right? So the idea of that smaller win percentage, but your average score will be exponential because obviously you're playing higher price horses. I just feel that like you have to play the full sample size. So if you have 18 plays, the idea or this theory is saying you have to play all 18 plays at let's call it 20 to one or better, right? The problem is I think the psychology comes into play where if a player is there at the NHC does this and is 0 for 10, I think they start to change and say, well, I don't want to get skunked. I want to have at least something on the board. Let me play something shorter. Then the whole theory goes in the garbage, right? I mean, you can print that out and, and wrap it around kindling wood, right? So that's all it's good for. So that that's where I think the biggest, the issue of that, I just think there's a lot of definitives in it. I'm not arguing against it. I don't know. To be fair to Tony, to be fair to Tony, he makes an exception. He probably made, he says like, if you're in the point Oh one, I, who, you know, have our master handicap or have the ability to, to, to zig and zag by all means do it. He does say that. So I, I, just to, just for, for clarity's sake, but I don't know, maybe what I would suggest to you, if you're interested in taking this further and Scott Coles, maybe would be another one. I don't think you're going to want the, the hypothetical, that he put forth there, the challenge bet. But maybe there's another challenge that allows him to stick to his guns enough, but allows you to do your thing as opposed to just taking shorties. I don't know. Think about it and, and see. And maybe you know, we won't have it play out on Twitter. Maybe we can have it play out privately. And maybe there's a way to get, you know, we're donating to charity here. So we're not just, you know, swinging around trying to, you know, see who the toughest, you know, human is. And we, we could do some good in the world. Think about it and see. And if you have something, we'll, we'll take it to him privately. And maybe we can get something fun going. If we do it for charity, uh, I'm in. It, uh, I would say on its surface, it does not interest me at all. Uh, but if if, ch if a charity is involved, uh, you know, I'll, I'll certainly get in. And to be clear, I don't know Tony. I've never met him. I give him a lot of credit because not only does he put a theory out there, but he also backs it up, right? He puts everything out there, his analysis, his numbers that went into it and why he thinks something. So there is a subset of data unlike the other 95% of Twitter that just says something and it's ridiculous and there's nothing to back it up. Right. So I give him credit on that. Again, I don't, I don't know. I've never met him, but I, I that's one thing I will give him credit. Is that he I think does. you'd like him. I think you'd like him. We'll, 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 we'll talk more about this. This was a longer tangent than planned, but I think it's okay. Cause I think the next guest might be a minute late. So it's going to actually reduce my stress levels to now have uh, good stuff to talk about with you. Yeah. Doing, Doing these shows as live, this may be a one-time experiment. It's just too stressful for me. But <laughs> but I think it's been good content so far. Let's dive into these, if I do say so myself. Let's dive into these races, my friend. Starting off with, uh, with the first um, stakes race on the day, which is race number seven, the grade three Trillium Stakes. Boy, really interesting full field turning up here. An old favorite of mine in Lady Spite Spear, who I definitely want to keep on side, and I would probably technically make my top pick. But I think it's quite possible that um, Tabalya, the two, might be the horse that I end up playing just as much. Did not uh, 
did not do much the last day to to say the least but i, I think this was an, an instance i can't remember if she she broke through the gate or there was there was some i was on tv for that and there was some incident that made me say okay we're gonna draw a line through this one and if you go back on the previous form and you look at the race shape here, I think this is a horse that looks pretty interesting at 10 to 1 on the morning line. I was going to mess around with the 2 and the 9 at Woodbine. How do you see it, my friend? Similar in the 2. Uh, I, 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 would, I would draw a line through that race um, uh, last time. Um, this horse has really never had a strong pace to run into, right? Especially, I mean, only had a few runs on the synthetic. But, I mean, I think it's going to get some pace up front, right? So I think there's going to be a multitude of horses that are going to go. With that said, that's why I'm I'm, I'm a bit against um, uh, the nine uh, here, just because I feel like, I, I would say, best quality of speed. But, again, looking at some of the numbers at Woodbine, especially um, on the synthetic routing, um, that, that front-end speed doesn't tend to hold up, right? So I, I just want to go a different direction and, and really combine with the price, too, right? I think you're going to get a short price on that horse. So I'm, I'm going to go with the two, as well as the, uh, the 12 uh, Lake Lucerne, I thought was interesting getting on to the synthetic again. Um, best late pace figure. Um, I think if the, you know, I see like the, I, I kind of, I see it similar to time form nine 11 and the, you know, the 10 probably are going to, are going to look for the lead. Um, and I think, uh, you know, Lake Lucerne is going to lay close enough and, and come with a strong, strong late pace, uh, figure and a strong kick, uh, in, in, in the lane. So I'm going for two horses that are off the pace, just betting the fact that I think we're going to have a, a hot pace up front. That makes sense. You mentioned how time form has it, I assume on race lens, which also has a pace projector. It's similarly supposed to cook up front. Yeah. Uh, if you look at yeah, race lens, if you go to the uh, true odds feature, click on that button there, it'll give you the uh, uh, pace analysis, all parts of the pace. So early, middle and, and the late pace as well. Um, I make my own pace figures. My pace figures show it to be hot. So does time form. So we're all kind of leaning in the same. So, you know, that's going to mean it's going to be a slow pace and, you know, just, <laughs> just burns them all off. And right. Know. Right. But no, I, I do think there's going to be, I think there's some need to lead types in this, in this race. And I just want, uh, I want a price and I want something coming from, from off it, uh, late in the race. You, you have to, you have to go with what the data tells you, but of course, as we've said many times, jockeys and their agents handicap too. My thought was have the interesting horse, but there, there is a chance Lady Spite Spears just, just too good or could or could sit off. I mean, I, I just I don't think she's some lunatic. She does her best work on the front end, but she's not some lunatic need the lead horse, you know? No, I agree. I, I agree. It's I best horse in the race. I'm just looking for prices around it, hoping that uh that uh maybe gets caught up a bit in that in that hot pace. I get it. Race number eight is the grade three bold venture going six and a half on the synthetic. Who did you like in here, Matt? Um, I like the uh, top two horses I'll probably I'll play here are the the two uh, uh, Avis Flatter, I think is really interesting. Again, I think this is another meltdown potential type of type of race on the front end. Um, you know, I'll go with kind of both sides of it. And I've got some bombs here that I wanted to throw in as well. But I, I think the two Avis Flatter can, again, I think sit a, a, a good trip. Uh, not too far off the lead is going to get some pace to run into. You go back to that. So it was on the turf, but you know, back in uh, Woodbine in October, won a nice uh, grade two, just sitting off that hot pace and coming in late. Um, you know, I think could could replicate that type of uh, that type of trip. Um, I'm going to include the speed though as well. I, I know I'm going to sound like I'm talking to both sides of my mouth, but again, I just this horse is proven to get to the front to really endure some some really strong pace figures and and hold it. So I, I love horses that 
prove to get to the lead, stay in the lead, get brave and strong and, and stay there. So at 12 to one, you know, I'd love to take uh, take a shot uh, with that horse as well. That's that's Nobles. That's a seven uh, that I'll be looking at as well. And the two bombs I wanted to look at, again, coming from off the pace, uh, the three uh, candy overlord, uh, candy overload. Uh, again, just strong late pace figure. It's going to come from from the clouds, but you know, again, we'll be rolling late if it's hot up front. And then uh, similar as well to uh, the number nine uh, last American exit, uh, which I find interesting. Uh, great name. Um, and uh, love. I just again off the pace type. I love Dice K uh, Fukumoto on on a, on a horse rolling late. Uh, can really uh, really get him home. So couple of bombs there, the three and the nine, but my primary plays are going to be uh, the two Avis Flatter and the seven uh, Nobles on the front end. Lots of interesting stuff, and we do have some commonality. I'll give you another big-priced horse that I think is is potentially interesting in this spot, and that's the number eight, Clayton. Um, this is a horse that did not do much off the layoff, but that was, you know, after being away from the races for 218 days on what was kind of a, of a quirky a quirky racetrack and maybe just didn't get the best of things in that spot. We're now looking at one who's going to be second time off the layoff. I think could potentially get the right stalk and pounce kind of trip in here as well. I think there's a story to be told about Clayton at a very big price. I also like the candy overload. You mentioned cutting back. I thought would get a good setup again. I had the two AVs flatter in the mix as well. And I think you make a good point about nobles, the gelding who does look like the clear leader. This is not, this is not one I had in my original picks, but after talking about it, thinking about it for a second, I never mind, even if I think it's going to be a meltdown, having that best speed precisely because of the factor that you mentioned before that so many times it looks like it's going to be some p- big pace um, meltdown. And then the, the horse gets loose. If a horse gets loose in, loose in here, I think nobles is probably the one. Let's move ahead to race number nine. We've got maiden special weights going seven and a half furlongs on the inner turf. And Matt will throw the ball back in your court. Uh, this is a tough, this is a tough race. Uh, I've got knocks on pretty much every horse. So I wanted to lean a bit more towards some, some newer faces, you know, maybe doing different things or just, you know, new first time starter. Um, I do think that the six uh, midnight Oracle is probably the best horse in the race, right? It should sit, the best trip finds the right group, probably probably best in in here. But again, I do have I, very even running patterns. You know, I don't know. It could be one of those that takes a bunch of money and just doesn't show up. So I wanted to use the the five, the first time starter, uh, silent lucidity, uh, the five. Um, again, just taking a shot with a new face. Um, nothing really to scream about in terms of of the pedigree side, uh, but. On the other, on the pedigree side, I, I did look at the one as well at a huge price, twenty to one in the morning line. Uh, it worked. Two starts on the synthetic, not much run there, but really does have some nice pedigree, top and bottom on the turf. Um, so I'm going to give that horse a, a shot to to improve on, on the turf. Really, just defaulting to not liking many in this race. Very difficult. Going to look for some prices. Um, I think those are those are the ones I'm going to lean on. Six five, and then I'll use a bit of the one as well. I put the six on top just as I envision this race in my head. I think that's who's going to get the best trip. But Midnight Arkle, very difficult to trust um, based on the 0 for 10 lifetime mark and, and, you know, doesn't have any special edge. If this horse is really three to one, probably not a horrible idea to try to go in another direction. And when you see races where you don't have anybody 
you know, who you can say confidently is going to run the par. I think, you know, I didn't, again, have these in my original notes, um, but you make great points. I mean, a first-time starter is an interesting stranger there. And then also a first time on the surface, especially when you're looking at it worked, who's, you know, a half to, to three turf winners. So that's a really interesting 20 to one shot. So I'll be honest with you. I had just written down the, the, the six, but I'm going to nick your picks um, to, to have them, have them both as, as backups on my ticket. Cause I like, I like the case you made and it could just be that the ones with established form just, just aren't good enough. Hopefully uh, midnight Oracle has enough upside with just the two turf runs to uh, be a different and better horse on the turf so, as my top pick, but we'll see how it plays out at Woodbine on Saturday. And next we're going to go to race number 10, where we've got a six furlong uh, maiden optional claimer on the all weather. Uh, who do you like in here, Matt? Yeah, another, another difficult race, but I'm going to narrow it down to, to two. Um, I, I think the seven took a wrong turn. I just think finds the right group again. Um, running, I think, a, a bit over, uh, you know, over this horse's head last few out. Third off the layoff. Um, you know, I thought ran well. If you go back to, to 2020, very similar race, uh, you know, was right in the thick of things. Just, you know, lost by uh, by three quarters of a length. Again, I just, I think finds the right group, finds the right trip. Um you know, Emma Jane's been been riding well, so I'll I'll, I'll take a I'll take the seven. Took a wrong turn, and then also I'm going to look at the uh, the three Man of Steel, just knocking on the door. I mean, this horse has been there only three starts, nothing really to uh, really to uh, you know to, to to knock the horse. Um, you know, I, I just I would like another try going. Uh, you know, the sprinting going six on the synthetic, so second time on the synth. Um, or as uh, my five-year-old calls it, the fake dirt at, uh, <laughs> at, at Woodbine, which, which props, props to uh, time form. Just him glancing at it, he was able to get what's turf, what's dirt, and then what he says, the fake dirt uh, with, the, with the blue stuff. Um, so I just want to give this horse another shot. I think been knocking on the door, so I'm going to go 7-3 in uh, race time. I like the three on the pace angle, three, five for long starts, now stretching out to six. This horse hasn't shown much in the way of finish, but – may be able to dictate terms up front and, and get a little bit brave going far. They're not really the world's most uh, creative pick that I'll ever put out there, but I did think that, that Man of Steel made sense. I'm typically more of a Marvel guy, but we'll give this to DC Comics and, and go with number three, <laughs> Man of Steel in this spot. Let's talk about our pay leg, race number 11. We've got an allowance race on the grass, three-year-olds and up, fillies and mares, this one going six and a half, on the turf and we've got a full field of 12 if you're playing any of the late horizontals at woodbine on saturday how are we going to get paid i'm going to take a shot with a few here again i think another 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 pretty hot pace up front um i know this isn't you know usually where i would like to lean but uh horse coming off a layoff first time on the turf uh outside post in in the 12 uh beat the system um you know, I, I just think this horse is going to be ridden hard from 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 get go, and I think could clear and get get to the lead, and again has shown that could could run uh, run quick uh, early pace figures and, and hang on. So, might be that layoff might be a bit much, right? You might see this horse fade in, in the stretch, but you know, again at fifteen to one, at what I think to be uh, to to be uh, potentially lone speed from the outside, uh, I certainly want to have uh, that horse uh, in the mix. Um, the two Helen Wild, I think is interesting too. Second off the layoff. I thought that was a great, uh, comeback off of, uh, you know, 230 days off, uh, on the turf, uh, gets back, uh, again, 
within 30 days. I love that. Off a long layoff, comes back, you know, shoots out of the gate, runs well, finishes second, coming right back in a short period of time. Nothing's wrong. It's everything. Everything is go. So I think this horse could have a have a shot there as well. Uh, probably be a short price, but should be able to sit uh, maybe off the off the speed, but still be uh, still be close. Uh, and then I also looked at the one uh, uh, go go just coming from off the pace, right? I think if multiple horses go, uh, I, I think I, I want to look at a horse that, uh, you know, has shown the ability to come from off of it again, finish, not quite there, but I think might finally get a pace set up that, uh, that this Philly could, uh, sink her teeth into. So I'm going to go, I'm primarily going to play 12 too, but I'll also include, uh, the one, uh, go, go as well. All right. That makes sense to grade that out with the 12 and the two as A's and the one as a B to close things out at Woodbine. For me, I was a little bit interested in the seven Verdejo. This horse getting onto the turf just looks in very, very sharp form for a hot barn. And I like the fact that the lone turf try long time ago was a move into a hot pace. I thought that maybe that masked some ability because the figure that she ran back then in, in that race was actually higher than the synth figures that surround it. And there was a little bit of trouble and it was a move into a hot pace. I don't know. Maybe she can step up and get the needed improvement while going for the, the three peat for the hot Kevin Attard barn. Can you see Verdejo if you squint? Yeah, I can. And you make a great point. You know, the, the, the barn is extremely hot. So that's certainly something you want, you want to pay attention to. Um, yeah, I've got, so let's see, yeah, time form pretty much the same as mine. Got it sitting, you know, middle, middle of the pack and as shown to finish, right? I mean, that's something that you want to see the horse, uh, when gets challenged, uh, can fight back and also fought through some, some pretty slow, uh, figures as well. So, uh, no, I def definitely can see, uh, definitely can see, uh, for in the, in, in the mix. Great stuff. Really appreciate it. We've got our next guest waiting in the green room, Matt, we appreciate you. We appreciate our friends over at race lens. We've mentioned the, the, the promo codes. I'll, I'll try to pop them in the show notes so I don't say them incorrectly. We've got a handful of promo codes going around here, but I know a lot of people have checked out the stuff we've done on YouTube, demoing the product, and just a lot of uh, impressive information and another way of looking at, the, looking at the races in general. Do you have a lot of pre-programmed uh, Woodbine angles, or do you, were, were you doing most of this from scratch in terms of just studying the form? No, I, I do have, I do have quite a bit. Like I said, more the, the general pace, general pace angles, um, different run styles, best late pace figures, best early, early pace, just so those pop up and I can see what I like. And then I've got some few, I got a bunch with, uh, again, I'm a huge fan of, uh, of Dice Guy up there. So I've got a bunch of angles with him that I like. He's been a bit cold to start, but I think he had like three or four wins uh, yesterday, I believe. Um, so he, he, he's been, he's starting to heat up a bit. Hot jockey. Uh, yeah, yeah, for sure. So, uh, and when he shows up in the states randomly, I would say pay attention to him and bet it. Um, but uh, no, have quite a bit there. Um, uh, more of the general side of it, but I do have some specific uh, angles in there. And then that's the best part. Once you once you build it, you leave it active. They don't go anywhere. You don't have to do it again. It just shows up. Tons more Woodbine content coming. Drew and I, Drew Cody, will be back. We'll do a, a show on these Sunday stakes, and then of course next week Queen's Plate. Sounds like we might have Matt Bernier, we might have Jeff Bratt, and we'll probably try to do an extra show maybe early in the week doing a little full card analysis. We'll see who's around for that. But really appreciate you coming on, Matt, and we will be talking soon. I'll see you over there today at Saratoga. Heading over there, heading over there in a few minutes, so uh, we'll Good see you there, Pete. All right, speaking of Saratoga, we have our next guest, who I frequently see around there. I'm not sure why his photo isn't showing up on my, on my YouTube. He might be a little frozen 
at the moment because why should anything go smoothly? Um, we'll see if we can get him back in here in a minute. But Jason Brinkman from America's Pastime Stable is here not just to talk about the um, not just to talk about the pick six at uh, at Saratoga on Saturday, but also to talk about the upcoming uh, TRF barbecue that we've been plugging. If you want to get tickets, if you want to get involved, you can go to our website uh, with it. We do with the TRF, trfinc.org slash players. It's not really our website. It's more our page on the TRF website and uh, you can get information. I'm going to be there. Hopefully we'll get a JK cameo. And we've also got this uh, loaded looking silent auction that's going to be happening. Look, if you're a loyal listener, I will happily um, proxy bid for you. I'll tell you that right now. We'll find a way to make it work. So you're going to want to go to that site. You're going to want to see what that looks like. And from there, you're going to want to, um, from there, you're going to want to uh, bid on some things. And if you reach out to me, um, you'll have the opportunity. You'll have the opportunity to do that. I think we may have Jason. Jason, are you here? Jason appears to be frozen. Um, I don't know, Jason. Can you hear? If you can give me any indication of if you can hear me, uh, always fun doing this stuff as live. I'm going to take you out of the picture here for a minute. Um, I'm going to text Jason and see, and then we'll uh, we'll see if we can figure it out. Uh, I'm going to ask him if he can get to an area with better Wi-Fi, and if not, I'll just do the pick six today, and you'll be stuck with me. And maybe we can uh, tweet out. Jason's thoughts or something later because the show must go on when you're live. Um, but let's see if he can get into a spot with better Wi-Fi, and we'll go from there. Um, yeah, this is an interesting pick six, and we have this carryover going into today, Friday. So we will see if um, you know who knows. Maybe there's an opportunity for a double for a double carryover even. But uh, let's uh, let's see what uh, what what we've got. As far as this, uh, as far as this pick six sequence goes, and I apologize for stallifying, as we call it here on the show. We're going to kick things off in race number six, and I was going to try to get out with three runners. The one that I liked the most was number three Neuro, who I think just looks like the fastest horse and had a very tricky trip last time. You don't love backing one for 19 runners that are going to be near the top of the market. But I think this one really deserves the place at the top of the market. And I appreciate the fact that Neuro's done the best work, including running a figure top over the Saratoga sod. The other horse who I thought was really interesting at a price um, that I will use as an A is number four, Giramonte. Uh, especially if this horse ends up being the price that I think he's going to be double digit odds on the morning line. My thought with Giramonte is that the last run might not be as average as it looks when you consider that that was a day when I thought the ground loss mattered at Belmont and the trip two back wasn't good either. This is another example, like the top pick of a runner whose best speed figures have come locally. So uh, one I definitely want to keep on side. Number five, Golden Hornet is another one I will use as a backup. Uh, this horse Looks to be fastest on early pace figures, and I think that you can include on that basis. Um, so, yeah, the B, B horse will be number five. Those are my thoughts on race number six. We're going to make another attempt to bring Jason in. Let's see if it works. Are you there, my friend? 
He's not there, is he? He's not there, is he? We will have to bring Jason in another time. So let's continue with my analysis of this late uh, this late pick six. There's only one pick six. There's no such thing as the late pick six. But, of course, uh, jumping around, producing myself, trying to find my notes, not going so well. But now it's going better. Race number seven, we talked about this one earlier on the Baby Talk segment. Number five, Skellig, I thought looked like the horse to get behind. Um, this is one whose sire, as we mentioned before, is off to a fast start at stud, has a nice-looking work tab. This dam has dropped three winners from three starters, two of whom cracked the exacta on debut. I liked all those things. The other one I wanted to use was number seven, General Jim, looking very strong off the workout, two back. This is a horse that cost 850000 and obviously into mischief, needs no introduction. And as we discussed with Ben, the jockey booking of Saez feels notable as well. I was going to back up with the one and the nine, but mainly play the five and the seven in this spot. Um, and, and, and we'll see if that, uh, we'll see if that's a way to, uh, to, to get it done in uh, the second leg of this pick six, which continues with race number eight, a spot where I like number one portfolio company, the best kind of master of the obvious here. This horse owns the fastest figures Gets a good inside draw. Horse is dropping in class and could be set for a peak effort in his third run as a three-year-old. Number 10, Constitution Lawyer. Another one I really like. Two angles I always give extra credit to. This horse improved the figure significantly in the first turf start and was closing into a slow pace last time. As far as B runners go, I'll put the five and the 11 in there with a focus on the one and the 10 in race number eight. Race number nine brings us a horse that I was pretty excited to get behind in number seven, Happy Bob. This horse ran a solid debut race against a horse in Accretive who came back to run a very strong race in graded company. That run was a little bit better as it, than it looked, too, as Happy Bob did not break well. I think Happy Bob is a likely improver in this spot. Number four for good, another one I wanted to use. Probably has more speed than showing on debut. This horse was bat hard. That's usually a proxy for a horse that has speed and uh, didn't break great. So that was muddled, but now has experience, has the addition of blinkers and also more ground. All that stuff can bring for good forward. Not one I'm going to be losing to. And then uh, another one I'll use is the entry. Unlimited potential, the one runner, great name, sparkling work tab, $750,000 purchase. Coupled in the betting with number one, a expressman and uh, another more numbers that'll be on tickets. I'm not exactly sure I'm going to grade this out. I'll make a decision on the fly here. Let's call happy Bob the A and we'll back up with for good and unlimited potential in this spot. Let's see. Jason's pop back in here. Let's try one more time. We're trying one more time, Jason. If you can hear me, maybe turn off your video and see if we can just get your audio. We'd settle for that. The people want to want to hear you. Um, so let's uh, let's see if we can get that done. If not, uh, and and we'll dance from there. All right, let's see. We've got another crisis going on on the phone. Um, all right, we're gonna punt on Jason officially, and I'm gonna continue to wrap up with this uh, with this uh, pick six at Saratoga. Starting with race number 10, we've got uh, stakes action here. Winning your inaction for the Breeders' Cup, actually, in the form of the four-star Dave. Number five, get smoking. Pure place pay. 
place pay, pace play for me for a rider who's having a very good meet, especially with longer prices than Castellano. If Get Smoking gets loose on the lead, I think he could be gone in the short field. Number three, Regal Glory. This is your most likely winner, I think. Her figures and form are the best in the race, and no surprise at all if she were to make it five in a row. Number uh, Race number 11 wraps things up. Number three, Good Soldier looks like the most likely winner. I like the turn back in distance and drop in class, and I think a good trip is going to be in the offing for this one. Another one I'll use at more of a price. Number eight, Strike Price, making the first start as a gelding on grass. Could have the pace figures to get clear early. Three and eight for that one. Sorry we didn't get Jason to you. He's a fun guy to speak to. We'll get him another time uh, before the barbecue. The, the America's Pastime Stable are involved in the uh, are involved in the, the TRF barbecue as one of the sponsors. So we should have a uh, we should have an opportunity to get that uh, to get that sorted off, sorted out, I should say. And then we'll, uh, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll get that more information about that as we go forward. Should be a lot of fun. Uh, we'll have digest of the picks and I'll get, uh, you know, I may do it as part of the free newsletter if I can work it out. Um, Jason's picks. Cause I, I would like to get those thoughts out there and maybe we'll put a, put a plug in, in the, in the free newsletter, but you get all the digest of the picks for, for um, most of the segments we have. We don't always do one for baby talk cause it's not really as purely of a selection thing, but if you're an in the money plus person, you can get those um, to learn more about that in the money slash plus. And then of course there's the free email newsletter as well in the money slash email. Well, we're going to chalk this one up to a failed experiment. It was going so well until about uh, 11.15 when everything uh, fell off. the. Actually, no, 11.30 when everything fell off the rails. But thank you for sticking with hopefully uh, what I lacked in uh, professionalism in that last segment due to technology problems we'll make up for by having given out a bunch of winners. That usually heals all of the wounds. So let's head right to the thank yous. We'll thank all of today's guests. Appreciate their time and, and punctuality. Um, we will also thank our founding partners. We've talked about the TRF, Thoroughbred Retirement Foundation. We'll also talk about 10 Strike Racing. Around here, we always love to root for the purple and black, and we're going to have uh, Clay Sanders back in town for Alabama. I'm sure some other partners will be around. Marshall Graham coming in for the Travers as well. Most of all, though, I want to thank all of you, the listeners and viewers, especially those of you who stuck through to the end of this show. You're hardcore if you're still here at this point, and I appreciate you very, very much. Uh, we'll be back very soon with more content. We've got loads of stuff coming up this weekend. Uh, lots of special Sunday content with the Woodbine Show, with the Baby Talk Show. We'll be covering the Mid-Atlantic Pick 4 on Monday. So yeah, good, lots of good stuff headed your way on the In The Money Media Network. Help us out. Subscribe to that newsletter. Subscribe to the feed, the black feed, we call it, for In The Money Media, wherever you get your podcasts, on YouTube as well. These are ways that cost you nothing that really help support us and uh, you know make the cause... Uh, a, a thing that uh, will be successful, which is what we're really looking to do here over at In The Money Media. This show's been a production of In The Money Media. Our business manager is Drew Coton. Our chief creative officer is Jonathan Kinchin. Oh, our man James Millar will be helping us out on the post-production end of this show. We'll thank him as well. I'm Peter Thomas Fornital. May you win all your photos.